and welcome to CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Big Boy's Cigar Lounge here in delightful Dixon, Tennessee. I'm the Smokemaster General, Trey Devin. I'm joined, as I am every week, by Mr. Shane Reeves. I, I remembered after we talked about this last week. Uh-huh. You could have said bucolic Big Boy's Cigars. I could have. In Dixon, Tennessee. That's right. I could have. So there there are other options. You the, don't have to go straight the whole time to that. So just just expanding, broadening your horizons, pl- depending on what of, cigar shop we're at. <laughs> plenty of options. But since since this is becoming my, my home shop now that I've moved to the neighborhood, it's... It, I figure we'll probably have to pick one and stick with it. Yeah, I, I had this this dream that one week we would record here, one week we would record in Spring Hill once you moved here. That way right. we're kind of splitting the driving, but I don't know well, how I, that's going to work out. Now. I mean, I, I imagine it likely will be some some variation or combination of that. So, but, but does your new house have a covered porch? Not yet. Not yet. Priority, it, very much a priority. I still have the the patio that we the patio cover that we had. We brought that with us, so I will okay. have I will have some coverage, but it won't be a permanent structure for a while. So you'll have some some level of, of yeah. that. Are your and headphones I'll, working? You're not on the mic at all. Oh, am I not? Okay, how about that? One of my headphones is working. One of my ears is working. I hear myself just okay. fine. Yeah, I think it, I think it's a headphone issue on my oh, side. Oh yeah. Too. See now now I hear both headphones. Okay, there we go. All right. Okay, we gotta get a new doggle. Yeah. Is that called a doggle? Dongle. Dongle. Okay. Um, so, what are you smoking tonight, Trey? I'm smoking the Buffalo Tin. Oh, uh, good cigar. It's a really good cigar, and at five bucks a stick, it's really hard to beat. And if it were in more shops, I'd probably smoke it as often, if not more often, than the Charter Oak. That's how much I like it. We had the El Artista guys on the show a couple of years ago, and... I really enjoyed, they were just great guys to talk to, but also have really enjoyed everything in the lineup that they have on offer. And the Buffalo 10, as their budget entry into the range, I believe it's a medium filler cigar. You'd be really hard pressed to be able to get all long filler at that price point, I would think. Um, But it's a San Andreas wrapper over Dominican binder and U.S., Colombian, and Nicaraguan fillers with, and I didn't know this, an exclusive Dominican leaf known as T13, which El Artista has been patiently aging for seven years. Well, it's a great stick. It is. And actually, while I was at Bell Mead this week, I saw the Fugly. Oh, wow. And all, because I haven't seen a Fugly since he gave those to us, Mm -hmm. and they were excellent. They're Italian dry-cured tobacco, and all, so they don't have to be humidified. And that was the first place I have seen them since they gave them to us those years ago. So that was very exciting. Yeah, I think the Abbey brought them in for a while. I don't know if they still have them because they rotate stock pretty well. Well, yeah, that was an excellent cigar. You know, we were talking last week, just to bounce back a little bit, we were talking last week about uh, you know, cigar experiences as a destination. And, and I, it, it reminded me, and I, I we didn't get an opportunity to talk about it, but some of my greatest cigar experiences were come, came from when I was in Italy a couple of years ago because they're still very much a smoking culture. They primarily smoke cigarettes, not cigars. But I bought uh, several of the... Um, uh, Toscanos while I was over there and just sitting out in the plazas and smoking and drinking coffee was such a great experience. I think that needs to be on our list when we start planning that. Yeah, I think you have you have to do some things like that, especially at some more smoker-friendly destinations. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm going to smoke an oldie bit of goodie, the Avo Synchro Nicaragua Fogata. I've not had one of those in a long time. You know, it's hilarious. I bought a box of these. And when I was done with that box, I did not have a desire to replace that box. But now it's a twice a year stick for me. Okay. About twice a year I decide I want a Fogata. And I'll go get one. Although, hey, um, Cigars International. Um, the first line, hey, forgot about it. I'm, I like puns as well as the next guy, but come on, that's a stretch. You're trying too hard. Yeah, well, <laughs> at a certain point, you're just trying too then hard. Then I'm really glad I didn't make that joke, because I almost did. You almost made that joke? I almost made oh. that joke. So the wrapper's a Habano 2000 wrapper. The binder is Mexican. The filler is Dominican and Nicaraguan. So lots of good stuff going on, but just something about this blend. This is definitely my favorite Avo cigar, even more than the Heritage. It would probably be Fogata, Heritage, and then everything else. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I I think I still like the Heritage more than that, but it's a, it's a horse race. Yeah, it could go either way. And I'll show, go to our first story while All I'm right. a cigar. So... United uh, taps Perdomo for new Garofalo La Familia. So this is uh, a new release from United Cigars that they're they're doing through Perdomo to honor the Garofalo family. And apparently the families go uh, really far back. They have a really good working relationship. So this is a great example of some crossover and collaboration that I think will be really, really good. Because we've talked so much about how Perdomo is just the the quintessential always good. And when you're coming out with a cigar like this, I think hitching your wagon to the king of consistency is a good plan. I don't think Perdomo does a lot of this. No, they don't. I, 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 I think it's a rare honor for Perdomo to say, yes, we'll make you a cigar. Because I, I don't see, they're not like Fernandez, who will kind of work for anybody, or even Hoya, to a certain degree, has right. a lot of these partnerships. And there's nothing right or wrong about that decision. Absolutely not. I'm definitely not berating the people that are willing to do it, and I'm not berating the people that are not willing to do it. Right. It's just a difference in business model. Yeah, it's just a difference there. Now, if you were going to have the Trey family cigar made and mm. all the Deadman cigar made, right? Um, who would you have make it? Ooh, that's a tough question. Uh, am I trying to hit a certain price point? Well, say that you're fixing to launch your line of cigars. Okay. And you wanted to, and you had the choice of anybody could make your cigar. And I'll, so when I think about this, I'll tell you my train of thought in this. All right. When I think about this, if I was going to launch the Venomous Duck, who would I want to make the Venomous Duck for me? Having, um, obviously, if you wanted the best cigar possible, you'd have Padron make it. Right. But you wouldn't really get, it. you don't, it's not a common man's cigar. No. And, and I'm kind of a common guy. And I don't feel like, I don't feel like I would want Padron to make my cigars. I feel like that's, you're kind of... You're kind of setting the bar a certain way when you do that. Yeah, I wouldn't want Padron. I wouldn't want Davidoff. I wouldn't want Fuente. I would definitely want somebody kind of out of the way that has, you know, I would do Hoya. I'd want, I'd want mine made See, either. I was thinking the, Aganorsa. Aganorsa would not be bad. I'd want either made in the Hoya factory or made in the Titan de Bronze factory. Yeah. Although, although AJ, 
just because of my palate, would be a good partnership as well. Yeah, but I think AJ's makes so many cigars for so many people, you get lost in the shuffle. I, absolutely. And I think I would lean toward Titan to Bronze because right. I wouldn't necessarily want to get into the Drew Estate cult side mm. of it. I think the Titan to Bronze factory would be the perfect place to make the Venomous Duck. Yeah, I think so. If I was going to have that cigar made. But this is going to come in three sizes. There's three different or three different versions. The versions are the Connecticut. It's an Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper. The Maduro is a Nicaraguan Maduro wrapper, and the Sun Grown is a Nicaraguan Sun Grown wrapper. And I think it, this is a chicken and the egg thing for me because I wonder if the choice of Sun Grown was because that is what Perdomo does better than anybody else in the industry, or if they, or if they wanted to do a Sun Grown so they chose Perdomo. That's that's a good question. That would be interesting if we interviewed them. If, if, if I had my heart set on making a sun-grown wrapper cigar, I'm absolutely calling Nick. So each blend is going to be offered in five sizes: robusto, um, ep, what they're calling epicure, which I call a toro six by fifty-four. I give them a pass for this because they have all, you know because we talk about giving unique names to to common sizes, mm-hmm. but they have forever called their toro an epicure. And yeah. so I give them a password because it's consistent at least. Gordo, Torpedo, and Churchill. That's a good mix. Yep. I probably, um, in the Venomous Duck, I probably would not make the Robusto and the Torpedo. I'd probably just make the Toro, Gordo, Gordo and Churchill. But that is another benefit, though, to doing it this way. Mm-hmm. Where... Uh, you, you're going to somebody like Perdomo who has tons of experience with these types of blends and with these sizes. You know, if and and they're an established brand to begin with. United is. Whereas, yes, if I'm launching a cigar brand, I'm definitely only coming out with two sizes, maybe three per per blend. But because they have the because they have the the stuff to back it up, I think this is a good play. Is there any benefit? In coming out the cigar one size right on the front end. And then much like they did the A, the A came out in one size and one size only. And then as time moved on, they branched out and made other sizes of the A. Absolutely. Uh, I'm a huge fan of that. As, As we've talked on the show many times before, I am a huge fan of brands like Tatuaje and Illusione who make one size per one blend. And that's it. Because it allows you to refine the flavor and the blend to exactly the size and shape it was intended to be smoked. But it doesn't give you the mass market appeal. It doesn't, but what that means, yes, so it it increases your barrier to entry because you're having to blend more cigars to get the same footprint in the humidor. But I think it, it adds a quality level that to, to, to each individual cigar that you make up for it. Well, and it lets you expose the customer to the size that cigar was blended to be. Exactly. You're allowed to bring that straight to the customer. This is the size. This is what I blended this cigar to taste like. This is the truest interpretation right. of this cigar. And then, three years down the line, I like the cigar, but I just don't prefer the way that you've decided to to size and shape it. Okay, fine. We, we can adapt. You know, AJ's making the new world in a round cigar. I still haven't had one yet. But I, that's a perfect example of I'm exactly who that was intended for. Right. You're that, made for you exclusively. Right. 
So from the New York Post, they're on their own side. Good day, um, Francisco Moya wined and dined ambulance chaser lobbyist at Cigar Club. I have read that. I'm working your side of the street tonight. <laughs> okay. I sort of. I have read this article three times, and I still don't understand what's going on. Why is a politician whining and dining the lobbyist, and does there really need to be an ambulance chaser lobby? <laughs> well, sure. And I'll, but by definition, I think this is somebody at the New York Post trying to be witty and snag a headline by using the phrase ambulance chaser. Very likely. I think that's more what this is than actually um, any va- any valid concerns of this. And all, but this the article really don't matter. I'm using the article to bring up a topic that you and I we talked about briefly before the show. This is the cliche that we're all sitting around here smoking cigars, wearing monocles and white gloves, trying to conquer the world. Right. And I just don't see that much of that happening in a cigar shop. Is it the greatest cigar lounge I hang out at? Is it the um, people? Is it that I'm oblivious to it? What's going on? I think it's a little from column A and a little from column C. I think some of it is you're oblivious to it. Because if you look around, now, because the difference is that we, I would say that by and large, we hang out at blue collar cigar lounges. There, yeah, there absolutely. are certainly white collar folks, you know, in all of the lounges that we hang out, at, but they are they are basically blue collar shops. So the deals that we are witnessing are people getting bids on a new porch for their house, or maybe some employment things going. But yeah, you know, I can get you a job at my company, and that's you know. But we're not talking executive level. This is just you know making transitions. I think those are the kinds of wheeling and dealing that are happening around us. I, but I also think it's, you know, there are some shops in this, especially like Casa in town. It it does happen there because it's downtown. It's right near the business district. It has a full bar. So you're much more likely to get that wine and dine kind of thing happening there. Well, also the advantage of Casa is that filtration system they have is second to none. Right. That's one of few cigar shops that you could go in and have lunch and have a cigar and go back to work and nobody know you had a cigar. Right. So there is that aspect of I can understand how the the power the power deal could go on there a little easier. Yeah. Than than a more um a more blue collar like you said. And I'm always going to be a more blue collar lounge guy because that's who I am. Right, exactly. I'm always going to be a little more inclined to be at that type of lounge but i don't know this is a stereotype that this guy from the post i think i think he had a deadline and needed something to get published he you know had a payment on a couch due right and needed to get something published so he kind of drummed this article up to support that but I, i really believe that's what went on here in this article but i just um, and a cigar is a great place. If you've got to make a sales pitch that matters, if you're making the big sales pitch and it matters, a cigar lounge is an excellent pace, place to make that. Because a cigar, as we spoke about before, is a unit of time. So I just did some quick math. It says in the article that he spent 
uh, a little more than $8,000 between 2013 and 2016. So this $8,000 over three years on 78 outings, that's $102 per outing. That's getting that's, out pretty cheap. That's getting out real cheap, especially if we're talking about New York. That's two cigars and maybe a drink each. Yeah, that's not that's not whining and dining. Right. <laughs> and all. That's holding them hostage while you give your sales pitch. Right. And all. So thank you for doing the math on that. That really helps. Well, something about those numbers just didn't add up to me. I'm like, where's the outrage coming from? Okay, so I want to talk about this next article because at, at best... This is a tertiary link to cigars. Okay. <laughs> At very best. But um, a little bit of schadenfreude here on my part because I dislike the sex in the city ethos. Okay. I dislike the the whole kind of the air that surrounds it and all. And so if you're planning on watching the Sex in the City reboot, we're about to spoil it for you. But hey, it's been out for three weeks. If you ain't watched it by now, you ain't that dedicated anyway. You deserve to get spoiled. I, I would disagree with that slightly, but fair enough. Are are you? Before we jump into the article, so in our modern era, this is a question that you have to ask: when a series comes out on Netflix or Prime or something like that, and they say, "Okay, we're going to drop an episode every week," um, are you a wait? Eight weeks for all the episodes to be there and binge them, or are you treat yourself to one a week person? I'm a one a week. Um, I I prefer it when uh, when they release everything at once, and then let let me dictate the schedule. Especially because if it's the kind of thing where I'm watching it with my wife, then we're probably going to watch two episodes a night. And then if it's something that I'm watching by myself, then I'm going to watch the whole season in a day. So it just it, it so I like that. But at the same time, you know, when we got into Ted Lasso last year, it was midway through the second season, which was great because then we got to get caught up really quickly. But then the payoff got strung out for about four more weeks. That was kind of, that was fun hitting it that way. But the thing is, you know, so Brooklyn Nine Nine. My wife and I have watched all, but you know they got canceled and then they they got brought back for the last season. Right. We still haven't watched the last season. We've been kind of sitting on it, you know, the whole time we were homeless and and getting moved and all that stuff. Kind of basically waiting for when the baby comes so that we can kind of when we have that time that we can. So, you know, should should you get to it as soon as it comes out? Ideally, probably yes. But I, I think I think the moratorium on spoilers is about three three months. You think that's a... Well, I'll tell all of my friends. Spoilers don't matter to me. You cannot... If I want to watch a show just because I know what's going to happen, I've watched wrestling enough in my life that that no longer bothers me. Yeah, I well, so I would say to that point that I am in that camp as well. I don't really... None of the shows I watch really have that level of plot twist... Mm-hmm. That I'm terribly concerned about spoiler alerts. Yeah, I, I have no problem if there's a wrestling pay per view, reading the spoilers and finding out who won or lost, and still enjoying watching the show. Well, because you enjoy it to bet on it. Well, no, I just enjoy the show. I, yeah, I just enjoy the right. the performance. You know, the least important thing in a wrestling match is who wins. Right. So I just enjoy the performance over that. But anyway, so Peloton. Um, stock drops after 
and just like that character's shocking post-workout death. So this is this is the kind of thing that drives me absolutely crazy about people, especially people in this country. Why why does their stock go up or down based on what happens in a fictional TV show? Like, I, I understand, like, maybe there's some outcry, maybe there's some, what, what, I don't understand that, but I can see how people are like, oh, I, you know, I wish I hadn't bought my Peloton now, this is kind of a weird, but, but for their stock to drop, the value of the company was tied into whether or not Mr. Big kills over after a workout? Is this tied to a bigger marketing scheme? Was Peloton stock dropping already? And they said, "Hey, let's release this information and make people feel dumb for not liking Pel- for not buying Peloton." Is it is there a marketing angle in this? Do you think maybe they've they've built it around that way a little bit? I don't think so uh, because these TV shows take so much time to write, produce, edit, air. You know, this w- the, the stock would have had to have been declining for six months. For that to have been the... I don't know. It don't take near as long to drop a TV show as it used to. Mm-hmm. Um, they, but but it, when you're talking about a show of this caliber, I mean, it, it, it doesn't take the time, sure, but it's still... What, does it take time to back the Brinks truck up to Sarah Jessica Parker's front door and get no, enough money bags in the living room? She says yes. HBO shows, <laughs> Netflix shows, the, the shows that take the time and attention to really boil in the the plot points and the storytelling. They spend a lot of time in pre-production and script development and that sort of thing. So it does take some time to get... We're not talking about you know the four-camera sitcom that they're knocking out an episode every five days. So this is what's hilarious to me, because I love this line of this story. Um, Dr. Susan Steinbaum, a member of Peloton's Health and Wellness Advisory Group. If I'm ever a doctor and I release a statement like this, no, it was to buy a yacht. Right. And uh, she says, Mr. Big lived what would many call an extravagant lifestyle, including cocktails, cigars, and big steak. And was at serious risk for a heart attack. He had a previous heart attack in season six. And the lifestyle choices in his family history were a significant factor. Riding his Peloton may have helped delay his cardiac event. Till what? The reboot of the show? Right. <laughs> But here's the deal. Yeah, we don't need doctors weighing in on this sort of thing. If Mr. Big enjoyed a um, tepid tap water with a tofu sandwich and smoked a a hookah, we wouldn't call him Mr. Big. (laughs) Exactly. We would call him a lot of of things, but Mr. Big would not be amongst those. So now we're talking about the health habits of a fictional character. Right. <laughs> well, if, if Tyrion Lannister hadn't have done this, then the dragon wouldn't have needed to eat him. Right. You know, I, think, I think this doctor, this would be the low point in my career as a medical professional. Yeah, I think would, so, too. Would this not be the bottom of the barrel right. at all? But All right, let's step away from a break. All right. When we come back... New Zealand is planning a lifetime ban on tobacco. This is interesting. This has got a lot of unpacking to do, so we'll be back in a minute to talk about that. 
Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane. One of your hosts, Shane. Sitting beside the man who thought that his dryer was shrinking his clothes, turned out it was his refrigerator, Mr. <laughs> Trey Denman. I'd have to have a refrigerator for that to be the case. <laughs> That's why I used that joke. I get <laughs> I seen that. That just made me think about I that. I don't usually get on my soapbox on this show, but can I just take a minute to say, if you're ever considering buying a major appliance from Costco, don't. <laughs> These idiots... Give me a two-hour window, which I don't get to choose, so it has nothing to do with what my day looks like. So I had to rearrange my entire day to make sure I was at home between 2.30 and 4.30. And then 4.30 comes around, I've not gotten a phone call or not seen them. So I call, spend several minutes on hold, finally talk to somebody, and they say, yep, they're running behind. It could be a couple more hours. Okay, they're four stops away, but I don't know if it's just a TV where they're dropping it off or if it's something where they're having to do a big thing. But they will get to you tonight. Hang tight. Right. Three more hours go by. So finally at 7.30, I call again. Sure enough, the people have decided to call it a day. And they have gone back to the warehouse with my refrigerator still on the truck. Again, nobody called me. I, I waited 20 minutes on the phone to get to somebody to find out what was going on. And then rather than try and make it right and say, okay, well, we'll just make you the first stop tomorrow. No, they only deliver in my area on Tuesdays. The next available appointment is two weeks from now. So they mess up and I get put to the back of the queue. So I'm going to be, I ordered this thing a month ago and now, or yeah. So it's, it's just do not buy your appliances from Costco. It is not worth the headache. Well, why in the age of cell phones do we have windows? You know, cable companies, the world's worshipest cable company will say, oh, we'll be there sometime between noon and four. Hey, I know your driver's got a cell phone. Right. Here's my number. Have you call me, a me call? an hour ahead? Yeah, give me. Call a, me two stops ahead. Yeah, let me not waste half my day waiting on you. Right. Oh uh, well, but anyway, on to something new. Um, from NPR, New Zealand. And strangely, I didn't bring this article. You brought it from NPR. Well, so it's funny. This article, I actually looked at three or four versions of this article today because it's an important article, and I wanted someone that covered it well. And Fishionado covered this article, but it was kind of slanted one way, and then the Post covered it, and they were kind of slanted the other way. Right. And I wanted somebody that was going to be pretty well down the middle, which is not usually NPR's mantra. On, on world news, they are. But NPR actually had the best article, in my opinion, on this particular thing. New Zealand's plan to end smoking, a lifetime ban for youth. So what New Zealand has said is, okay, we're going to say... Um, the smoking age next year is 18. And the next year, it's going to be 19. And the next year, it's going to be 20. And at some point, all the people that can legally buy cigar- cigarettes will have died. Right, exactly. So, yeah, it's the, the, the minimum age to purchase goes up one year every year. So uh, su- suffice to say, if you can legally smoke in New Zealand now, you're fine. But if you're not of age yet, you will never become of age. So there's a couple of problems with this theory. Um, Well, one thing, I do like that if they were just going from 18 to 21 and they said, okay, we're going to allow four years to go from 18 to 21, 
So if somebody's already 19 and smoking, they don't have to quit for two years right. to come back to it. Like they did here. Yeah, like they did here. Um, I like that aspect of it. This seems to be taking it to the absurd level. Well, I, at this, it, it's essentially, a, they're basically making tobacco illegal is what they're doing. And they're, and they're not pulling any veils with that. They're, they're being very clear that that is their intention. But I, if, if you were going, I guarantee you, if they decided tomorrow to make tobacco illegal in the U.S., it would be prohibition. It starts on X date. I don't care how old you are, how long you've been smoking. It's, it's all gone. And then we'd be just like prohibition era without crime. Right. Crime would flourish once again. Exactly. So I at least appreciate their approach to this, which is that they're not taking anything away from anyone who already has it. Do I think it's stupid? Yes. But is it the best possible way to be this stupid? Also, yes. Well, here's the problem. You know, you change out politicians, you change out policies. Is this them doing exactly what we're talking about? They're saying, okay, four years from now, there'll be a different set of politicians, and they may just say, okay, smoking age is 21. And this is how we get this legislation through and get the anti-smoking people to shut up. I doubt it. This this has too many legs. I really feel like this is something that will that will make it wherever they're planning to take it. Because it's gonna because you have a really hard time in any country, even in this day and age, getting something getting anything passed. But you have a much harder time getting anti-tobacco legislation reversed. It basically doesn't happen. Yeah, but it's going to create a black market. Oh, of course it is. It's going to create a black market that's going to flourish as time moves mm-hmm. forward. You know, as, as any prohibition-type policy does, this is going to create a, a pretty valid black market. Now, if you... Do you know? I think the other interesting line in this article is we don't think tax increases will have any further impact. So at basically, least, we've priced everybody out of this already, and yet people still continue to buy it. Yeah, it's at a certain point, um, and they even talk about you know the cigar aficionado article even talked about you know they've they've bounced around a cigar exemption in this kind of like what we're talking about with the FDA stuff. Yeah. Um, is this a bunch of old guys got together and said, "Hey, we don't want to pay more for our cigarettes and cigars, and instead of increasing the burden on us." To get quids to kids to quit smoking, why don't we do this progressive thing that'll accomplish it without further burdening us? Right, exactly. Our lives don't change, and, and since since it doesn't affect us, we don't care what the repercussions for other people are. That, yeah. That's the way it sounds to me. It kind of has that stink on it, but I don't think this is a long-term thing that can work. I think there's going to be loopholes found. There's going to be workarounds made. Anything the length of this, it's almost akin to the marijuana being illegal thing. Right. You know, okay, the marijuana is illegal, but we're going to decriminalize it, or we're going to make it where you can do it in the, or you've got to have a medical reason, or you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do the other. So I wonder if this is going to create a whole new aspect of that as it pertains to tobacco. I think it'd be tough because. You're going to have a really hard time 
convincing anybody that there's a medical reason for tobacco. Although there is an episode of House, isn't there an episode of House where he basically recommends the guy smoke? Oh yeah, probably. Yeah, um, I I got in trouble one time. Um, I was talking to a mother of a you know a young child, and who was they were considering had some problems with ADD. And if you look back at the history of like Adderall, Ritalin, the the thing what it with ADHD, what you do is you overstimulate to right. to depress basically. And and I I learned this about myself early on. I've never been officially diagnosed with ADD, but if you look at all of the coping mechanisms and all of the traits and things like that, it's quite obvious that I fit that that mold. I noticed in college that if I would smoke a cigar while I was studying, that it made me much more easily able to focus. And so because nicotine is a stimulant. So there is a medical basis for tobacco use as, as there is caffeine or any other stimulant. But you'd have a really hard time getting a doctor to say, yeah, you need cigars. Yeah, you're going to have a hard time pushing that through. And like you said, it's really hard to repeal legislation once it's put in, once the wheels are put into motion. Right. It's really hard. You know, we had this fight with the city. They said, oh, we're going to pass a privilege tax, but don't worry, it's only going to be 1%. Yeah, so then you're going to make it next year 2%, and the next year 10%, and before you know it, it's right. where you want it to be. Right. You know, we have to fight it when it's 1% because it's you're, it's only going to increase. Right. So that's the um, that's the big problem of that. So I'm I'm not I'm not sure this is a great thought and I'm not sure this is really going to ever pan out to be something good. Yeah. But it'll be interesting to see how this I, tails out. I would expect to see a lot more countries using this avenue to ban smoking. So I know I just dropped this on you right before we went on the air for this show. And I'll, have you thought any about New Year's resolutions yet? A little bit. Um, in all your spare time, exactly. Well, that, that's the thing. My my biggest New Year's resolution is that next year, I want it to be boring, and anything I can do. And you know, a lot of the reason why this year was not particularly boring was was due to things that I did, but uh, but even more of that was due to things outside of my control. So I re- realize there's a there's a certain component about that, but for everything within my control, my goal is for 2022 to be a boring, boring year. Well, and that's kind of counterindicative of your nature. Right. Your nature is, you know, 90% of your frustrations in life come from you see the road and other people don't know how to drive on it. Right. That's most of the frustrations that come into your life at one point or another. Well, and it's like it's like we were talking about the um, the refrigerator thing when you and I were talking about it last night. You know, the the fact that I didn't get my fridge is something that I can handle. I can deal with. It's it's not ideal, but understanding that there are supply chain issues and there are all these other things like all the delays on the house to begin with. Like, there's a certain element that was beyond anybody's control, and I can. I can get behind that. What I can't get behind are the people that lack professional communication, the people who have a, in my opinion, simple job to do and fail to execute on that and and through their actions create negative implications. And those are the things that irritate me. Yeah, it'll be 
it'll be difficult for you, mm. and I'll because you're not a keep it simple person. That's just not who you are. I've not, for the years I've known you, right? It, it's not in your nature to keep it simple, and the only way for it to be boring is to keep it simple. Yeah. My goal in 2022 is to just be better. Be better at getting projects done that my wife asks me to do. I've In 2021, I was not great at she would ask me to do something and I would not get it done in a timely manner. Um, at work, you know, I would kind of push stuff back to the last minute, which is not a great way to do things. Right. My my goal in 2022 is just be better. Be better at getting things done. Be better at keeping my ducks in a row. Um, just be better, I think, is what I've got to do. Um, so often, the anticipation of a task is so much worse than just doing it would be. Yeah, I have, in recent years, I have adapted a, a, a about a five-minute rule. And anything that takes less than five minutes, just go ahead and do it. And I'm not always perfect at executing on that. There are times when I will see simple tasks and I will put them off, especially if I have if I have 25 minute tasks, that's when things go a little haywire. But by and large, you know, setting up the coffee pot the night before, so it's done. You know, at whatever point it after dinner time that it occurs to me and I think about it, I just go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. Because you know, if I put it off until right before I go to bed, then I'm going to be too tired or I'm, I'm going to forget because I'm tired or, or whatever. So little things like that um, has, has, has gone a long way for me. Yeah, I think that's um, so much of building a house is made easier by building it quickly. And so much of the tasks you do are, are better because they're done quickly. Right. And I think that's a element of life that I need to nurture in my life this year and as I need to build upon of that. Yeah, well, and you know, a lot of the things that are on your plate, you know, kind of, I'm not the kind of person to keep it simple. You have a similarity in that very rarely are the tasks that you have set before you five-minute tasks. Oh no! Yeah, you're, you're usually an involved one process. and two hour task, and so w- the phrase that I use in my house all the time is, "How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time." But I am also not good. I don't have the ability to break a task down into its simpler pieces and do one of them today. Like, for instance, um, yes, uh, day before yesterday, my wife asked me. Hey, they're taking clothes for the tornado victims. Why don't you go through your closet and pull all the clothes you don't wear regular out, and we'll take them up there and give them away. This is a good opportunity to do something good with them and give them away at the same time. Yeah. And in a perfect world, I would have said, okay, I'll work on that for 10 minutes today, 10 minutes tomorrow, and by Wednesday I'll have it done. Mm -hmm. But the thought of doing that is absurd to me. Right. It is. Okay, I'm going to take 30 minutes to an hour, whatever it takes, and this job will be begun and ended in the same city. And for for tasks like that, I'm much wired the same way as you are. And, and that comes from a, a different place, at least in my mind it does, because I am not a fan of clutter. 
And cleaning out a closet is a job where it gets worse before it gets better. And so I don't want to start that task if I'm not going to be able to see it through because then I'm going to have to live in the worse. Yeah. See, my wife is excellent at partitioning a task up into its base elements and saying, okay, I'm going to work on it during this 10-minute break and then... At my next ten minute break, I'll do this, and my and that would drive me nuts. Yeah, it it's been that. So getting moved into the house, you know, with everything else that's going on, has been pretty tricky. The nice thing about that as a task, though, is that you've already got built in uh, pockets. Right, one box is one task. Unfortunately, my kitchen though right now is such a disaster because I've got because. I am so picky about how I want my kitchen laid out because I use my kitchen. I want it to be functional. Mm -hmm. And our storage space is fairly limited. And so trying to account for every scenario and how I am going to cook most frequently and what I'm going to cook most frequently and how to lay So I've got stuff everywhere and I can't break that down into one box at a time because some of this box goes there and some of the, yeah. Well, and I'll tell you, the number one thing I do when I move into a new house is I go buy a whole lot of closet shelving mm-hmm. because they put in the minimal amount of closet right. shelving when they put a house in. And I'll double the size of my closet between the time I move in. They actually did a really good job with our closet. Uh, but some of the the thing that I need to adapt is the garage because the, the Instant Pot that I use four times a year, the you know the roasting pan that I use twice a year, those kinds of things. I just I need a good storage place for kitchen stuff that doesn't need to live in the kitchen because I hate appliances on the countertops. My toaster and my coffee maker are the only two things that sit out in a perfect world. Right. Yeah. And so it's as part of being better. I'm going to figure out how to break things down better than what I do currently. And the best first step for that is to figure out how to turn being better, a broad general term, into Mm -hmm. functional components and steps that you can action on. Yeah, and, you know, I've kind of laid that out. I kind of, when I say be better, that's just for the sake of brevity. Right, But, but at the same time, it also exemplifies what you're trying to accomplish. Oh, yeah. So that's that's kind of where I was going with New Year's resolutions this year. And, all, and everybody knows that's listened to the show for any length of time. I'm a big on New Year's resolutions. Right. I believe they have a valid part in life. I think they end up the butt of a lot of jokes, undeservingly so. I don't think there's nothing wrong with taking stock in your life. At the end. Of course, I have the advantage I always take off the week between Christmas and New Year's. Right. So I have a week there that usually I'm in the woods with a lot of time to think waiting on a deer. So I get to kind of formulate that stuff out just a little bit better. And that makes a difference. So um, how's, how's your cigar going? It's going well. And uh, the Buffalo 10 just... It, it, this is So the Buffalo 10 is only offered in a box press, which anyone who's listened to the show for any amount of time knows that I'm not a particular fan of. But one of the things I like about this is that now, when they when they first came out, you had a really hard time getting some that were rolled a little tight, which on a box press is a death sentence. Oh yeah, but they are really good as as long as you rotate them and roll them as you smoke it. The Buffalo Ten rounds out really well and gives you a nice even smoke all the way through. So one more article: La Casa del Habano opens in the Canary Islands. 
So I've been to the Casa de Lobano in Cozumel, but I don't think it's part of this group. Um, this opening in the Canary Islands is going to be a high-end cigar shop. They've already opened them in um, in Switzerland, Thailand, Israel, Albania, Caraco, Vietnam, and Togo. Where's Togo? Uh, South Pacific. Okay. Um, that's one thing. You know, I love cruises, and that is one thing that's missing from these cruise points is a high-end cigar lounge. Right. It, it often gives way to the small local shops where you don't know if you're getting a, an authentic cigar for the, for the label that's on it, or they price gouge you, or both. Or the cost of real estate is such they, they have to be selling in every inch they have. They can't necessarily right. be have a lounge for you to sit in. Yeah, the only cigar shop on the island or in the islands kind of along those lines that I've found that actually had a lounge attached was in Grand Cayman. Yeah, and there there are bars that'll allow you to especially in Mexico, anything goes oh, yeah. in Mexico. That'll allow you to just sit there all day and smoke cigars and then bring you drinks and food. And it's a great deal for them because they bring you drinks and food all day. If they sold good cigars at a reasonable price, you'd buy them from them. Right. And it's and it's great, too, because, you know, in, in so much of these areas, most of the dining is, is open, you know, patio seating or, or, you know, open bars where you know, you're basically outside the whole time anyway. So right. that you don't have all of the restrictions like you would trying to accomplish the same thing here in the States. I've started something. He just fixed the floor as he moved across. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I've just seen, I just seen him. I've, I've started something here in Big Boys. Yeah. <laughs> so Big Boys here has a laminate floor system. and Floating I'm, laminate floor. Yeah. Well, they're, all laminate floors are floating. Is it? Oh, yeah. That's the purpose of a laminate floor. Otherwise, it's just pre, if it's nailed down, it's just pre-finished hardwood. Gotcha. I thought it was glued down so in some cases. when it No, it never glued down. Okay. When it first come together, you glued it together, but oh, okay. it, they evolved past that. Gotcha. Um, and the laminate floor here is pulling apart in spots, and at the break, I was over there stomping the pieces back together, and some people here saw me doing that. And, and, and now I, you've created something. Now I've created something. Robbie's going to have to send me a commission on the fact that his floors look better now because I'm training up the cut, the clientele exactly. to fix the floors as they go <laughs> <laughs> and all. But, um, yeah, I'm just uh, – the Casa de Banos, I'm anxious to see a good cigar lounge start opening in these places. I wonder if it can survive because the average person on a cruise ship is not a – necessarily a lounge cigar person it may be the way it is because that's the way it is but by virtue of the fact that we're dealing with kind of a a, a chain kind of like we have with with Costa de Monte Cristo here there's a chance that there's going to be some some price accommodation by virtue of their reach yeah by virtue of their volume and everything yeah. like that so well as we wind it up and all this will be the last cigar cast of 2021. It will. I believe the next time we'll come together will be for the Stogies, right? That's right. The Stogie Awards are coming up. Send us your suggestions. If you smoke something really good, send us a suggestion. Send us some comments. 
kind of let us know. Send it to info at the cigarcast.com and we'll even post some. I'll post on Facebook. Absolutely. A couple of, you know, give me your, your suggestion for workhorse cigar. Give me your suggestion for cigar of the year. Yeah, send them to us. Let, let's, because uh, I know we, we normally put the nominee list together a little bit in a vacuum. So it's pretty much just our stuff, but we'd love to have some feedback from, because we're only two guys smoking cigars. Well, and I've I've kind of got, you know, we've talked about it all year. and We've kind of got it. I, I know what your vote for Cigar of the Year is going to be, and it's going to be hard for me to argue it, <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to look at it and kind of think about it. Really? Oh, yeah. I, I have no doubt what you're going to put forth for Cigar of the Year. All right. And I'm, I'm surprised that you would fight me on it. <laughs> well, because you rate it much higher than I do. <laughs> Uh, I I I I think you'd be wrong. Then it's not the cigar you think. Oh, is it not? Is it not the Placima Alma Fuerte? No. Oh, okay. It didn't come out this year. Oh, okay. I I thought it did come out this year. I didn't see them till this year. I could be wrong, but no, that's not my vote for cigar of the year this year. Oh, excellent. All right. Well, tell them how to get hold of us, Trey. You can reach us at facebook.com slash the cigarcast, Instagram and Twitter at the cigarcast, and email info at the cigarcast.com. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening this year. And until next year, have a great cigar and think well of us.